The next three chapters, they don't really lend themselves to verse-by-verse study. And so we're going to read them as, as a narrative. We best understand it as we read it all together. I will put in some comments as we go to kind of make some connections here. And then we'll see how far we get tonight. But it, tonight will be more of a Bible reading than a Bible study. But the Word of God is, is living, it's powerful, and it's able to, to minister to our needs as, just as we simply read it and then as we meditate on it as well. So just a little introduction before we go into the reading of beginning at chapter 42. In the context of where we studied up to this point in Genesis, God is about to move Jacob and his family to Egypt in order to protect them and to preserve them during this seven years of, of famine. And of course, the, the protection is not just for Jacob and his family, but it is to preserve that promised line of the coming of the Messiah. And so God is sovereignly ordering all things in order to execute and fulfill his, his promises, not only to Jacob, and Isaac, and Abraham, and Adam, uh, but to all of humanity. And this is the sovereignty of God. This is the, the providence of God that we see in, in what seems to be just day-to-day activities and events, but there's a reason that these things happen, and God is still in control, even when it looks like things are out of control. Seven years of severe famine, that doesn't seem like a good thing, but God has a purpose in it. And he is executing his will that he has foretold. Many years ago, back in Genesis 15, if you want to open there to Genesis 15, 13, and 14, to remind us of what we read earlier in our study, God told Abraham this was going to happen many years before it actually happened. But now it's beginning to be fulfilled just like God said it was. And this is, it should be a real comfort to us to know that God, who has committed himself to protect us and provide for us, he sees the end from the beginning. He knows all things. That's our father. And that's the one who's promised to care for us. And so in Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14, then he said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. And afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. Of course, that nation was Egypt. And this is where God was now getting Jacob and his descendants to be in Egypt, where all of these things could begin to be fulfilled, and that the power of God would be manifested when he would liberate them from slavery in Egypt. God goes on to tell Abraham that his descendants will, after they are freed, they will ultimately inherit the land of Canaan. And so this move to Egypt wasn't a permanent one, but it was a necessary one. So as we read the historical events of these next three chapters, we need to remember that God is simply executing his plan. 
And yet for each of the individuals, for Joseph, for Jacob and his brothers, they all had to, by faith, trust God in the midst of these unwanted events to know that God was going to show himself faithful. And that's exactly how we're supposed to live as well. We go through things and events in our own life that we, we sometimes don't understand. And sometimes they're quite unpleasant and unwanted. But the God of Joseph is our God. He's our father. And so we'll consider these as we read through these next chapters. We're going to see that Joseph in these next three chapters are going to put his brothers that sold him into slavery, who mistreated him, who hated him. Joseph is going to put them through a number of tests in order to bring them to a place of true repentance where they recognize and acknowledge their sin. There are those that criticize Joseph for the way that he handled this, but I do not agree with those critics. In fact, I very strongly disagree with them. I believe that we see in Joseph's dealings with his brothers, as we read these chapters, keep this in mind, but his dealings with his brothers were in order to bring them to a place of repentance where God could bless them and preserve them and provide for them. And so Joseph, his dealings with his brothers and how he handled them to me, as an example, when we go to the New Testament, and at the end, we probably won't get to it in this study, but when we get through reading these three chapters, we'll go to the New Testament and see that much of what Joseph did in dealing with his brother's sin are principles and truths that we are to apply in dealing with the sins of those that deal that have sinned against us, that we would deal with our own sin by acknowledging and repenting of it and being restored. Well, Joseph helped his brothers get to that point, and it was a process. And sometimes restoration of a fallen brother is a process. It's not just a, oh, well, it didn't happen, or no big deal. No, there's a process that's necessary to get us to that place of acknowledging our sin, repenting of it, and returning to obedience. So we're going to see that Joseph demonstrates great wisdom, compassion, and also some patience. And those are three things that when we're dealing with the sins of others that are also required of us, we need to be wise, we need to be compassionate, and we need to be patient. Let's, uh, let's begin at verse 1 of Genesis 42, and we'll just read through here. And I'll make some observations as we go, one right after verse 1 here. But Genesis 42, beginning at verse 1. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? <laughs> to me, that's an interesting statement. So the famine now has, is not just in Egypt, but it's reached now Canaan, and it's affecting Jacob and his family. And without food from somewhere... They are, they are going to die. They're going to perish. And so when Jacob heard that there was plenty of grain in Egypt because some wise man over there was able to, during the seven years of good harvest, was able to save up enough to get through the seven bad years, 
Jacob's looked around. There's food in Egypt. Why are you looking at each other? Why aren't you gone already? Well, when I read that, I kind of thought, well, it was probably guilt. Any mention of Egypt, because they knew that's where they had sent Joseph. And as the narrative continues, you're going to see that their guilt only grows. Now, it's been about 22 years since they sold Joseph, but the guilt hasn't gone away. The conviction to know that what they did was wrong. And so they weren't thinking about, let's go to Egypt. They, they didn't want anything to do with Egypt. Verse 2, and he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. So Jacob continues to openly demonstrate his, his bias toward the offspring of his beloved wife, Rachel. Rachel was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. And clearly Jacob has a bias in favor of these two sons of his favorite wife. He also may have suspected that the jealousy of the other sons may have led to Joseph's death. Now, Jacob believes Joseph was torn apart, but there seems to be some suspicion. I'm not sending Benjamin with you too, that I don't want him to be lost as well. Verse 5, And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Is that a picture that sounds familiar? Wasn't that one of the dreams that uh, God gave Joseph? And this is only a partial fulfillment of that revelation to Joseph, because all of his brothers, including Benjamin and also his mother and father, they would also come and acknowledge the rulership of Joseph. Verse 7. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. Try to picture this. this, this these three chapters have as much drama in them as any fiction that you'll read. But these were real events and real people. So jo Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he act as, acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Now remember, 22 years had passed. He was probably in full uh, Egyptian garb and probably a little makeup on top of that, and so they would not have recognized him. And then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And though it's true, Joseph knew they weren't spies. He was trying to get them to see who they really were. And we'll, we'll see as the narrative continues. They present themselves in a certain way and Joseph does not accept it. And that's his wisdom to get them to see who they really were. Verse 10. 
And they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. Joseph called them liars, and he was right. They declared themselves to be honest men. And these were the same men that had sold Joseph into slavery and then lied to their father that he was torn apart by a wild beast. They weren't honest men. And so Joseph wasn't being deceptive here. He again was using wisdom to you need to know who you are. You're not honest men. Verse 13. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. In other words, Joseph, he's he's dead. And as far as they knew, he might have already, he, he probably was dead. Probably that young boy probably didn't survive slavery. But Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying, You are spies. In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison three days. Separation and Isolation For a time and for a purpose is often necessary to deal with the sin of those who reject the will of God, those who refuse to acknowledge their sin. Sometimes, as we'll look in the New Testament later on, separation is necessary for their good. We're going to see clearly that Joseph loved his brothers. That Joseph had a a clearer understanding of the big picture of why all of those things took place. But for their good, he continues to hold his identity back from them. And he separates them for a while. Let them think about it. Did I read verse 16? Verse 16. Send one of you and let him bring back your brother. And you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison. Verse 18. Then Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses. Joseph still cared about his father. He knew that the longer he kept his brothers, his father was suffering and the rest of the, the clan was suffering. So he was going to send them back with food. And bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. Now they're beginning to see it. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. So Joseph's wise handling of his brothers up to this point is having its intended effect. It's been 22 years since they committed this sin against Joseph, but the guilt is still there. 
the guilt doesn't go away until you deal with it, until you apply God's grace. And so they are now acknowledging that all of this misfortune was happening to them because of what they did to Joseph. They're beginning to acknowledge their sin that they committed against Joseph and against God. Verse 22. And Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. They thought Joseph, this Egyptian, didn't understand what they were speaking. And he understood the whole time, listening to their conversation. And it just became more than he could handle. Joseph's tears reveal his tenderness toward his brothers. He's not doing this to hurt them, to be deceitful, but he's bringing them to this process. You're not honest, man. Acknowledge it, and God will restore you. God had a plan. So he's patiently continuing with the process. He, he doesn't reveal himself at this point, though it's all he could do not to reveal himself. He's weeping for them. Then he returned to them again and talked with them through an interpreter. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So a very generous gift to send back home, not only the grain that they needed to live, but gave them back their money. He didn't take their money. So they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money. And there it was in the mouth of his sack. So he said to his brothers, my money has been restored and there it is in my sack. They didn't see this as a good thing. Then their hearts failed them and they were afraid, saying to one another, what is this that God has done to us? Again, the guilt is overpowering them. God is punishing us. God used it to continue to examine for, for them to examine themselves and their accountability, and their sin against God, as well as against Joseph. Verse 29. Then they went to Jacob, their, their father, in the land of Canaan, and told them all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is Lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father, and one is no more. And the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the, fam for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. And I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land." Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. He's the one still back in prison in Egypt. 
and you want to take Benjamin, all of these things are against me. So Jacob lashes out against his sons. And in this case, they weren't guilty of doing anything wrong. In fact, they were trying to do what was right at this point for the family to be able to survive. Jacob would have saved himself a lot of grief and a lot of heartache, considering that he thought Joseph was dead and he continued to grieve over that. And now he's worried about Benjamin being taken away from him. If Jacob had just believed the dreams that Joseph had, the revelation of the will of God, Jacob would have saved himself a lot of trouble, a lot of heartache. And we we would do the same. How many times have we gone through trials and difficulties when we just sorrowed and despaired? What's going to happen instead of just believing God when he says all things work together for our good? We have so many promises. If we would just believe them, it would save us a lot of heartache. That doesn't mean that the pain isn't real or that the sorrow's not real or the tears. Yeah, all of that's still true. But without the loss of hope and joy and peace, knowing I know that God has a plan. I know he's working. Verse 37. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. So Reuben makes a very foolish and rash promise to his father to protect Benjamin. And I have found over the years that those who need to repent often do make foolish and rash promises about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, rather than just acknowledging their sin, repenting, and returning back to obedience. And so the the flesh often tries to take a shortcut to restoration. But this was a foolish and rash promise. Kill my two sons if I don't bring Benjamin back to you. Only true repentance can produce reconciliation and restoration. Verse 38. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. So again, Jacob is grieving. He seems to be without hope here. He Without food, his family is going to die. But if he sends his beloved Benjamin back to Egypt, he might lose him. There's, there's just, in this case with Jacob, a lack of understanding the need to trust God. And this is, again, often the case with us. I think we'll stop there tonight.